Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. At Awaken Church, we are passionate about wrestling with and being unraveled by the Christian scriptures. Ideally, we do this together around the table in the neighborhood of Bones. As we see it, Jesus has invited all of us to encounter Him in a diverse community and participate with Him in a mission of loving our neighbors. Today I'm speaking on creation, beginning a sermon series on the elements. So today we focus on earth. And Mary Oliver wrote, the door to the woods is the door to the temple. We've all walked through that door. There's something sacred and magnetic about the natural world. We're drawn to it, so much so that we leave the concrete and human creations over and over and over again to immerse ourselves in what God's hands made, the forests and the rivers, the mountains, the ocean, the skies. We're drawn to creation, not because of what we give to it, but because of what it gives to us, peace, humility, awe, wonder, joy. And even though technically we never leave creation, we're also constantly seeking to return to her again and again and again. And we do it because creation seeks to speak to us, communicating in a sacred language that has no words, but that somehow we all understand. The psalmist felt it, and he wrote about it in Psalm 19, calling creation our teacher. He wrote that God's glory is on tour in the skies, Godcraft on exhibit across the horizon, Madame Day holds classes every morning. Professor Knight lectures each evening. Their words aren't heard. Their voices aren't recorded, but their silence fills the earth. Unspoken truth is spoken everywhere. God makes a huge dome for the sun, a super dome. The morning sun's a new husband leaping from his honeymoon bed. The daybreaking sun, an athlete racing to the tape. That's how God's word vaults across the skies from sunrise to sunset, melting ice, scorching deserts, warming hearts to faith. The revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. God's reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. The decisions of God are accurate down to the nth degree. God's word is better than a diamond. Better than a diamond set between emeralds. You'll like it better than strawberries in spring. Better than red, ripe strawberries. I love those opening verses. Madame Day holds classes every morning. Professor Knight lectures each evening. Because it's true, without a word... Creation teaches us, impressing on us knowledge about who God is and what God is like. Each of us has been a student of creation since the moment we were born, even since before we were born in the womb, learning about how God holds us, just like our mother's bodies hold their children. In Calgary, we live on the edge of the prairies, which is often called the land of the living skies, the same skies that declared the glory of God to the psalmist thousands of years ago. Our sunrises and our sunsets stretch from horizon to horizon and we watch storm systems sweep across the great expanse. And it's that same stretching canopy that speaks to our souls and our spirits of who God is. The endless sky speaks to us about God's infinite expanse of holy otherness that is so different from our own finite, limited human experience. 
the morning and evening teach us of God's beauty and his creativity, which are apparent in each brushstroke of color that lights up the horizon. The thunderheads above teach us about God's own unpredictable and wild temperament that matches the weather, which brings us snow and hail and rain and sunshine over the course of an afternoon in our springtime. We live in the land of the living skies, which declare the nature and the name of our living God, who is wild and beautiful and holy different and infinite. And the skies overhead, they're reminding us every day of God as we live under them if we pay attention. Like the psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God. And in Alberta, we also live on the edge of the Rocky Mountains, and it took millions of years for those mountains to form, and they've shaped the land that we live in, all of Western North America, all the way down to New Mexico. And in the summer, Awaken has traditionally emptied. Um, people feel the draw to the mountains. They go camping and hiking and mountain biking, canoeing, you name it. And so our church family, as part of our identity, is a student of the mountains. And, and some awakeners could honestly be better called junkies because of that longing for the feeling of standing at the base of a mountain lake, blue sky overhead, and majestic towering mountain peaks all around. I can count on not seeing certain people for months at a time when it's warm outside because they are in the mountains. Now imagine that moment because... It's in that moment that creation is speaking to you. That feeling of majesty that's impressed upon your soul, that is creation's voice, awakening your heart to the majesty of God and reflecting God's magnificence and grandeur upon your spirit. The mountain is speaking to you by its very nature and existence. It's pointing not to itself, but to the God who made it. Do we have ears to hear those mountains crying out? Do we have eyes to see? The psalmist did. He wrote in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The psalmist looked to the mountains and saw God, and we can too. I grew up in Oregon in a little city called Salem, which is an hour drive from the coast. And my dad was a pastor growing up, so he worked weekends but had Mondays off. And I was homeschooled. Uh-huh. And uh, my... Uh, me and my sisters were able to take Mondays off as well, and we would all go out to the coast on Mondays as a family. So we spent many hours on the beach together, and I always feel a bit more alive when I'm um, by the ocean. I'm much more of an ocean person than a mountains person. And uh, I feel peace when I watch the horizon of the ocean. But when I watch the waves up close, which is what really draws me, I get a sense of um, the wild, the uncontrollable, the chaotic, and the unknown. And when I watch them, I feel a little bit less controlled, a little bit less known and tame as well. And the psalmist speaks about those waves too in the Psalms. He wrote in Psalm 42, deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. As chaos calls to chaos, to the tune of white water rapids, your breaking surf, your thundering breakers crash and crush me. We all have seasons in which God sweeps in, pounding down on our way of life and washing away our sense of control and security and leaving us with a sense of her wild and uncontrollable and unknown ways. And it's uncomfortable at the very least, and it's grief-stricken at most. And the ocean reminds us of how God isn't tame. And yet, like the psalmist says, deep calls to deep. Even though she's not tame, God is sweeping over us again and again and again, and her tide is pulling us to herself. And even though it's relentless and at times incredibly painful, 
The pull of God is also mesmerizing and beautiful, like the waves of the ocean. And God's tide is always, always, always pulling us to her goodness and to her life. Creation speaks of God in so many different ways in its very existence. It's always pointing to the God who made it. Even though creation speaks in words and a language that's very different from our own. And yet, somehow, we understand. And I think it's because we're part of creation. Because creation isn't a he or a she, it's a, it's a they. It's a multitude of beings who are made in the image of God, whose very lives are the Imago Dei, reflecting who God is. And so when creation speaks of who God is, our souls respond because creation is speaking in our mother tongue. Before Lent in our body series, Nikayla taught on the meaning of the word Adam in Hebrew, which literally means son of the red earth. And she talked about how the chemicals in the soil that turn it red are the same chemicals in our blood that turn our blood red. And the blood that flows in our veins and that gives us life was literally picked up from the soil by God and formed into humanity. And scripture goes on to tell us that God breathed his breath of life or his ruach into our lungs and we were brought to life. But we are creation. We are children of the red earth. And maybe that's why creation takes it so personally when we harm them. Because we don't really treat creation as our mother or our sibling and certainly not as ourselves. More commonly, we sin against creation as if it's our subject, which we can use and abuse however we like. And I'm not going to go on an ecological rant because we all know that creation is suffering because of wounds that humanity has given to it, to her, to them. But God's creation isn't a thing. It's a being that responds to us with an agency of their own. In the Old Testament, we see it. Um, when Israel's moving into the promised land, the land is not a backdrop to the story. It's a character in the story. Why else would God say in Leviticus 18 to Israel, don't defile the land or it's going to spit you out? He's not being passive aggressive and saying, I'm going to do this if you don't obey me. He is speaking on behalf of creation whose voice we ignore, but whose actions we can't ignore. Because even if we ignore creation, they don't ignore us. And, and creation does not sit idle while we defile and destroy it. It rises up against humanity and spits us out. And God was warning Israel of that reality. And sometimes I wonder if the angst of creation isn't something that's just spoken about in the Old Testament, um, but it's something that we all experience in our day-to-day -day lives. And I don't subscribe to the view like John Piper that God punishes humanity with natural disasters, but I do wonder if hurricanes and earthquakes and droughts and floods are all the physical reactions or the actions of an angry and a betrayed and a grieving world. And I wonder if there are times where creation responds to humanity by spitting us out in violent ways in response to our own violence against the earth. Now, Scripture doesn't answer that question, um, but we do know from authors like Paul in the book of Romans that um, creation is groaning, as though in the pains of childbirth, longing and waiting for the day when all will be made new. And we feel those groans and those labor pains as well. And even though in many ways we are estranged from creation, and in many ways we forget that we're children of the red earth, we are also groaning and waiting for the day when all will be made new. But until that day, creation continues to call us. With the beauty of flowers that bloom in spring, she's wooing us back, reminding us of the hope and the promise of a new day that God has made for us, that he is making for us.
With the thunder of the waterfalls, she reminds us of the power of God, which supersedes our own weaknesses and powerlessness. With the towering majesty of mountain peaks, she declares a God whose majesty isn't diminished by people who don't see it. And with gentle, quiet streams, she whispers to us of a Prince of Peace who we long for, who regardless of our shortcomings and our brokenness is making everything whole and new and beautiful once again. So today I have a question and an assignment for you. And my question is, when did you last make yourself a student of creation? Because most certainly in our lives, we do. We do learn from creation, though often we don't notice it. So when did you last slow down and quiet your mind and open your eyes to what creation was teaching you or impressing upon your soul? And then your assignment is kind of obvious. Be a student this week. And don't be wishy-washy, but do it intentionally. Um, pick a time and decide how you're going to do it, whether it's going to the river and quieting your mind while you watch the current race pass. You could drive to the top of Nose Hill and contemplate the expanse of the sky. You could go on a hike and camp out at the base of a mountain and ask the mountain, what do you have to tell me? And I would encourage you to read Psalm 19 aloud because creation and scripture are beautiful together and they speak they complement one another in how they speak. And then wait and listen as Madame Day and Professor Knight begin their lecture. And my prayer for us as a community is that creation would speak because when creation speaks, God is always, always glorified and made known.